Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Just Two Dads with my co-host, Sean Francis. I am Brian Altunian. Today, we have a special guest with us, um, a coach, a consultant, uh, and uh, an experienced special needs participant, both as a, as, a, as, a, as a family member and as somebody who's gone through this herself. So we're really excited to have this conversation today uh, with Alex Gilbert today on Just Two Dads. All right. Good afternoon. Welcome. By the way, this is a special episode of Just Two Dads. Uh, I'm so happy we're a new time. So if you're joining us, there, there's Joe. Hello, Joe. Uh, you're just joining us on our new time. Thank you. Uh, we decided to kick off our second year of Just Two Dads. Today is episode number 52. So it's kind of an exciting, uh, an exciting time for, for Sean and I and all of our guests and our fans and our supporters who have been through us. For the last year, uh, about a year ago, Sean and I started the podcast without any knowledge of even what a pod, how a podcast worked, and uh, <laughs> our first couple of episodes were not great. Uh, honestly, yeah, I think at one time we couldn't get our guest actually on camera, so we were doing the interview, and I was talking on my phone to the guest. That's how horrible it was the first couple episodes. So, anybody who's been here since the beginning, thanks for hanging with us. Um, and now uh, these days we are uh, we are on Facebook Live and, um, and later this episode will be posted on our YouTube channel, our, our We Are Just Two Dads YouTube channel. We're also on uh, all podcast outlets, wherever you can listen to podcasts, Apple and Google and Spotify and Our Heart Radio. Down in the U.S. Virgin Islands on WSTXAM Radio. Um, to all of our family and friends down in, in the Virgin Islands, hello again and welcome. And uh, launching here shortly on um, Empower, on Empower Media channel on Roku. So that information will be put out there shortly. So um, we're going to be all over the place. And the great thing about it is that this podcast was designed for Sean and I to um, highlight and spotlight those warriors. We call the warriors who service the special needs community in some capacity. Uh, Sean and I and our professional business and financial services. We cater to the special needs community, um, specifically to help families with their financial their financial situation, get to financial freedom. And we, we encountered so many amazing people doing amazing work, yet they were seemed to be in like silos. They were separate from, from each other. And so we thought, why don't we just get together and have the conversations that we normally have and just have them with our guests and with our friends and, and let everybody see the great work that they're doing. And so um, my oldest daughter, uh, Joe, who, who's often, uh, uh, <laughs> often on here as a commenter, um, uh, grew up with learning disabilities and some challenges, and now is a 25-year-old young adult living in upstate New York. And so I'm always proud of the progress that she's made. And I know that she gets a lot of value out of watching this. And Sean's, son's, Sean's son, Elijah, uh, who's 15, who's on the autism spectrum, uh, that was the... Uh, bonding thing that Sean and I had in the work that we do. We thought, let's, let's have this conversation. We're just two dads. By the way, there are not many dads who are jumping into the conversation surrounding special needs. And we wanted to make this a special opportunity to, um, to be vulnerable and to be honest and authentic. And that's what we do here. And so today, our, uh, our guest, uh, Alex Gilbert, is, is going to be an amazing story. I'm so excited for you all to hear what she has to say, how she contributes, the impact that she makes on our community. And uh, I'm very excited to hear what she has to say and engage in that conversation before we get to Alex. I just want to say hello to my my partner, my my cohort, my partner in Thrive, Mr. Sean Francis. How are you today, my friend? 
grateful and blessed. I'm going to keep it as short as possible. Hello to, hello to everyone. And as you talked about the challenges that we've had, I'm so grateful for everyone that has stuck with us and the new friends that we've made along the way. And the newest of friends happens to be our guest today, who is Alex Gilbert. Alex, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. And can I be the first to congratulate you on 52 episodes, a whole year? This has been a crazy year and a half. And I just want to say <laughs> congrats. That's that's an amazing accomplishment. Thank you. Thank you so Thank much. You. Thank you. That means a lot to us. Uh, as we always get started, we believe that those of us, even those of us, especially those of us who don't see ourselves as such, happen to be heroes. And every hero mm -hmm. has an origin, an origin in terms of your parents and how you were raised and where you come from. But those are the things that actually give us our powers too. So I'd like for you to start uh, with that. Tell us a little bit about yourself, your origin, how you were raised, where you're from, what led you to where you are today, all the way through diagnoses, challenges, and all of the above. Oh, wow. Okay. That's a lot. And I have a whole, <laughs> a whole lot to share. So I'm really excited to be here. So my story, I would really say, starts from the time I was about eight years old. I'm from Long Island, New York, and I had been really struggling to read and I was memorizing everything and my mom was packing me for camp. And she's like, do you wanna pack some books? And I said, why? I can't read. I was, I was going into third grade and she's like, I knew she didn't like to read. I didn't know she felt like she couldn't. And we had gone to our school district who said there was nothing wrong with me and that they weren't going to give me any kind of testing. So um, I'm really privileged the fact that my parents could financially support getting outside testing and found out that I had dyslexia, ADHD, a number of other learning disabilities. But again, the school district wouldn't support me in any way, shape or form. So we actually had to move. Let me ask you, yeah. let me ask you this really quick, just because, as a reference, because mm -hmm. you know, we know how things not only have changed, but continue to. Yeah. What year, what time frame are we talking about roughly when a school district would say, no, we're not going to support? Uh, 96. That's more recent than I expected. Just yeah. That's, but you, but then again, you know what? It's not surprising. It's not surprising. We do have to fight for what we for what our kids deserve. I'm sorry. Continue. No, it's fine. I, you know, I think what's also, you know, Sean, I think you and I had been talking about this in terms of my story. Is I really think that my school district at the time was really changing. There was a lot of new families coming in, and it was becoming. Um, There's a lot of families of color that were coming in, and the district was not funding a lot of things. Mm. And it was awful. It was really, wow. it was really awful. And I've actually looked back at my school district that I was supposed to get diagnosed in versus where we moved and nothing has changed. Um, and yeah. that's, that's something that really hurts me. And what I always try and think about as I, you know, share my story, but really work with clients is understand that everybody's story is different. And whether I was diagnosed at eight or you're an adult who's being diagnosed for the first time in your thirties or forties, because your kids are getting diagnosed matters. And so, you know, that's something I had to keep in perspective. So when we had moved to our new school district, I, I literally had every resource you could imagine. I had resource room teachers and extra testing in separate locations all the way through college. And I went to Indiana University, which is obviously a very large university. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I became very close to the now former director of disability services. And when I was there, I really had actually figured out how to establish myself on such a large campus and navigate the whole system. 
And she would call me almost every semester and say, I have a student, I'd love for you to meet with them. Can you set up time, help them figure this out? And I think I got to my junior year and she had said to me, um, you know, she kept asking me over and over again. And I said, is there a reason you don't have a program that actually supports students and like, makes that connection? She says, we don't really have the time, the motivation, the money to do this. And I said, okay, can I be wow. your time and your motivation? Wow. And she was like, yeah, sure. Um, when can you meet with this student? And she kind of like pushed it off to the side, but I showed up the next week with a PowerPoint presentation on how I was going to create the Peer Undergraduate Mentor Program or PUMP, which was a mentor retention program for students with disabilities so that they could be paired up with an um, upperclassman and help them navigate this large university system. Wow. So mm -hmm. it was it was an amazing, amazing program. I won a lot of awards from the university, from the city, and it's still a program that I believe is running today. And so I thought if I knew how to advocate for myself, I knew how to put myself first, I had all of those skills and tools that when I graduated, I was in the best possible scenario that I could be, except for I wasn't because everything mm. I had learned up into that point helped me navigate through school, through a university system. None of that applied to the workplace. And so I had been working in program and leadership development for pretty much the last decade. And I was laid off because of COVID and I had stopped. And as I was starting to think about what I wanted to do next, I said, why am I jumping into this? My passion is to help other people who are like myself, who have a learning disability or ADHD navigate this. Why can't I be that support system for them? And so kind of capable consulting kind of started overnight. But you were so, but, but where's the bridge? So you, that happened after COVID. So you created capable consulting mm -hmm. after COVID. What were mm -hmm. you doing? You were doing leadership development. What, I was doing what, leadership development for nonprofits. So basically think about it in terms of trying to create leadership pipelines of okay. strong, confident leaders. So I was running programs that would help people think through how they could communicate with their constituencies, how they can lead different groups in, in a whole bunch of different scenarios. But I was really doing it with the lens of someone who has a learning disability or ADHD because everything I was explaining, I had to explain to somebody else and then they were explaining something to someone else. So everything mm. was about simplifying and creating strategic plans that were inclusive to everybody. I just didn't know that I was really doing it with any kind of a different lens than somebody else. Interesting. Wow. Okay. Wow. So, so, so that was a paid gig and then you decided yep. after COVID and they started to rearrange how they were doing things mm -hmm. that you would then create capable mm -hmm. consulting. Mm -hmm. And now do you and your and your husband, do you have children? No, I don't. No, you do not. Okay, but I am so this is you're married. Yeah. yeah. But uh, but this is so this is your own experience. So a lot of the times we'll have guests on the phone who who are parents of children. And because they're get they get frustrated by what's not in the system or mm -hmm. what they come up against or, you know, uh, like Alaska Sandy, our, our IEP coach, right? Mm -hmm. So frustrated that there was a that there was a gap and as a care for their child. They they turn that into a business. A lot of the a lot of our guests are people who are who are parents or caregivers. This was yeah. your situation. This was yeah. Hey, if, if this if this happened if if I'm having these issues, other people are having these issues. So, how can I help others? Is that is that pretty much? Yeah, I mean that's together? pretty much why I did this because I when I was 
working and I was working in New York City. I was working in a bunch of different office spaces. I was essentially looking for myself and wasn't finding it because I wanted to find somebody who could not only understand my unique challenges of being dyslexic and having ADHD and being in an office space. I was looking for someone who could connect to me emotionally and mm -hmm. say, I've been there. And it didn't have to be in exactly the same scenario. And I don't coach people thinking that their scenario is exactly like mine. I mean, I mentioned most of the people that I talk to are not even close to my situation, but that doesn't matter. I understand and empathize where they're struggling and I can understand it on a different level. And I think that that's really why people have been drawn to me because I get it. I live yeah. it every single day. Speaking of being, I'm sorry, speaking of being drawn to you and quote unquote getting it, mm -hmm. you know, we know, okay, oh, you have ADHD, oh, you have so and so. You mentioned, you touched on one thing which is very important, which is I don't assume that my situation is like everybody else's. Yeah. For the, for the novice, the person that may not be familiar, tell us exactly what ADHD has been like for you. What did it affect? How did it, and dyslexia, how did it, um, uh, affect your your reading. What does that actually mean? My interpretation, as I've heard, is that letters are backwards, things of that sort. Let people know what's that like. Then they then they also have an appreciation for exactly what the heck you're doing, which is just amazing. You know, it's funny that you asked that because I somebody else had asked me something similar on a job interview because I always spoke about my learning disabilities and ADHD very mm -hmm. openly, and she had asked me if I knew how to had a multitask and I started mm -hmm. laughing at her <laughs> and she she wasn't laughing back and I'm sitting there thinking like oh no what did I just do and and, and I stopped and I said um wait so do people not know how to multitask and, and she said no I was like <laughs> you know light bulbs going off all these different things and there was all these different skills that I had that I didn't realize that other skills that were skills because I'd yeah. always been told that all the different pieces of my disability were less than or made me stupid. I would Your say they are my superpowers. And that's part of where the name Capable Consulting came in because I wanted people to see it as their cape, as their superpower mm -hmm. and, and know that there's something they can contribute. In yeah. terms of what dyslexia and ADHD look like, as I said, I didn't even know the things that I didn't know were not normal, if that makes any sense. Right. I struggle with reading. I struggle with math. I struggle um, paying attention. I, you know, I have, there's three different types of ADHD. One you typically think of is the hyperactive boys in class who are disruptive mm -hmm. and everything else. Then you think of inattentive. That's usually what a lot of girls are diagnosed with, inattentive. They're kind of not paying attention, they might be in their own world. And then there's someone who's combined, who's hyperactive and inattentive pretty much at the same time. And that would be mm -hmm. me. So I would be hyperactive, think of like being on speed, just constantly going at a million miles a minute, but then I'm exhausted. And all the things that were on my list that I was supposed to do, I have no attention span to do them. And so it's little dynamics like that that can be a struggle, but I also have learned so much about myself and know when those points where I'm hyperactive and can hyper-focus on something um, specific and when I can't and when I can mm -hmm. walk away to say, okay, now's the time to take a break. Yeah.
So, so let me ask you this on your, uh, with, with your business, with your mm-hmm. consulting business, um, I, I would suspect, and, and just correct me if I'm wrong, there's a, there's a couple of, of, of areas where you, where you're helpful, probably many areas, but is it primarily the focus of how to be integrated into the workforce or how to be successful at work? Does it, in, is that the primary focus? Is it just day-to-day living, interpersonal relationships? Uh, is it young adults? I'm now I'm asking a bunch of different questions. It's Sean okay. and I are notorious for asking multiple questions at once. <laughs> okay, I'm following. Uh, is it young adults? Yeah, and right, I'm talking to you. So we can, I can have like multiple conversations at one time. Is it young adults? Is it, is it, is it children transitioning out of the school system? Like what's sort of the target audience? And then what's sort of your target focus, if that helps to direct? So many pieces. I'm going to break this down into separate pieces. So in terms of my consulting, I'm really working with companies and organizations to try and make it a much more inclusive place for someone who has a learning disability or ADHD on a whole. There is, there are, as I mentioned, so many skills that someone who has learning disabilities or ADHD have, but they're far less likely to talk about it and come forward and say, I have a disability. So they are taking it, they are internalizing it, they're frustrated, and they're maybe, you know, likely to be fired from their position because they never actually advocate for themselves. I think about four percent of people who have a learning disability or ADHD are in the workplace and 60% of them get fired. So I'm, I'm trying to help people figure out what their skill sets is, but really make it, you know, an inclusive place for everyone. So think of it this way. If you are a building and now you have a ramp to your front door, It's accessible to someone who's in a chair or using a walker. It's accessible to a parent with a stroller. It's accessible by someone who has no issues walking through the door. If you've created that in your company, everyone's going to succeed. Everyone's going to thrive because you've made different pieces available to your company. So for example, my first job out of college and I was in this New York City open office space, I had asked for noise canceling headphones and I was told Mm -hmm. no which I didn't know I had the support of Disability Services Act. I mean, you know, this is You didn't know what you were entitled to. I didn't know what I was entitled to because again, no one really talked to me about the transition Mm -hmm. from college to the workplace. I didn't know what I didn't know. And Mm -hmm. so I'm advocating for this saying, this is really hard. And I keep getting interrupted and it's, I can't focus. If this company had offered headphones for everybody and everyone had that available, I wouldn't have had to advocate for it, but I'm not the only one who's gonna use the headphones to help them focus on their job. So that's one aspect. The other aspect is working with adults who have a learning disability or ADHD to help them embrace themselves, figure out what their strengths are and how they can apply it to all of the different roles that they're in so that they can feel successful and less burnt out at their job because there's like a, really high correlation between someone who has a learning disability and ADHD and suffers from mental health because they're internalizing it and not asking for help. Wow. Now you congratulated us on what, you know, we've accomplished on a path that we're on, but your, how old is your, is your, your company? How old is your enterprise technically? I started it in April. Wow. (laughs) That's your infancy. I mean, it's, it's a, What's amazing is that I've talked to I've talked to to folks who 
when they talk about noise counseling uh, headphones for mm -hmm. children that that struggle with ADHD. Mm -hmm. um, and then I've had adults put the headphones on. I go, oh my God, maybe I've maybe I have ADHD because I can focus, you know. And so it's interesting that you're saying. I think that that's brilliant. You go into an organization, and the the benefit, you know, of something as simple as providing noise canceling headphones yeah. helps everybody like you. I loved your analogy of the ramp going up to the building. Everybody can benefit from that. Everyone mm -hmm. benefits. Well, it helps the person that it's specifically intended for. Everybody benefits. So that's brilliant. That's brilliant. So we, so we got to part of the, part of the answer to the question. So there's cut. So you deal with companies to mm -hmm. create an inclusive environment. And I know that you're only, you know, five, six months old. So. Yeah. <laughs> You've got to start somewhere. Absolutely. No, I love it. So yeah. then what, tell us other, other areas that, that you, that you intend to, or are also supporting because you're, you're dealing with, with individuals on a, on a, on an individual basis, one-on-one -on -one coaching too. Yes. Yes. So the one-on-one -on -one coaching is really, I focus on what I call best practices versus best principles. And the reason I do this is, you hear the term best practices all the time, but what people don't realize is best practices assumes everyone can do the exact same thing and end up with the same results. It's which doesn't, it doesn't work. It mm -hmm. doesn't work yeah. because, yeah. and then someone who has a learning disability or ADHD think I started all of these different things and this is supposed to work for somebody like me and it doesn't, and this is my fault and here goes the spiral. So I like to do something called best principles which is really focusing on we have the same goal and how we're going to get there is up to you. We're going to create goals that are sustainable and attainable for you. But a mm -hmm. lot of what I have found is, as I said, everybody's origin story of this is so different. I want to start where you are because some people are like me who had gotten all these types of resources and basically cut off. There are people who are just being diagnosed. There are people who are put on medication at a young age and then told they were cured, There's, which is another story that frustrates me. Right. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. You know, but you don't really get to know yourself. You don't know how you think. You don't know how you organize. You don't know what your triggers are, what your strengths are. And that's really what I'm trying to help people do and getting to know themselves so that we can actually get to the root of what's really stressing somebody out or making them mm -hmm. feel burnt out or making them feel like they are failures. Wow. This may, this goes back a little, but the acronym that you talked about for the program at the college pump, was that huh. your, was that your creation? It was. Yeah. I started it from scratch and I really, I feel like, I need to say this, but this is one of those um, moments where I plug in the fact that adults with learning disabilities or ADHD are a big portion of entrepreneurs because we get an idea, we run with it, and we're excited, and we can mm -hmm. think of the big picture, the little details all at once, and we just make it happen. I mean, that was the my first boss out of college always used to say that phrase to me, make it happen. And somehow I did out of thin air. I don't know how, but yeah, I came up with it and ran with it. It's beautiful. Uh, to your point, you, you know, I would say that Elon Musk did the special needs community a huge favor when he hosted On SNL. Saturday, Saturday yes. Night Live. Yeah. Yes. And he announced the Asperger's yeah. and, and it, and it made people say when he, when he was saying like, I'm not weird. That's just how my brain works. It was, I think, for many people, an aha moment. Like, oh my God, my a collective light bulb like went off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I yeah. know people like that, or 
oh my god that makes so much sense that that, that i think he did he did a, a huge favor and i think you're absolutely right ceos and i've been one so you know ceos and people who run organizations and startups of you know of startup founders they they do have a little bit of that um of, of that adhd because they are constantly multitasking they're constantly thinking you know of all the things to get to get handled and sometimes by the way they get frustrated because people get frustrated with them because then some detail isn't done in the in a particular way or there's some things that they're really really good at and there are some things that they're really not good at we we had a, a, a guest on our podcast who's a city councilman for the city of Burbank here in California. And he, he was diagnosed with autism as an adult. And he said, you know, I can't schedule like the construct of time and it's, uh, it's impossible for me. I don't know how to schedule things. Like if you tell me mm -hmm. time is up, like I have no way of processing time. In fact, so my fiance basically handles my schedule and tells me where to go, what to do, when to do it, because I can't. I could do a lot of things. I just can't do that. I mean, it's very upfront about it. And I think, you know, again, as we, you know, as our brains operate in a certain way, we, we compensate for those things that we, you know, that we, that we need support in. And so the greatest thing I think to your point is we find ways to get stuff done and the stuff that we're not really particularly good at surround mm -hmm. ourselves with people who are really good at that stuff and right. make it effective organization. So. Yeah. And asking for help. I, I, there's, no shame in asking for help. And I actually had written this blog about Simone Biles. I'm a big fan, always have been. I've been following her since like 2013. But the fact that she is on this world stage and was not okay and said, I need help was huge. And I think mm -hmm. that just even putting that messaging out there that it's okay to ask for help. You don't have to be good at everything and be perfect at everything. Here's the greatest of all time who says, I can't do this, tells you that whatever it is that you're struggling with that may not be your strength, it's okay to say and lean on somebody to say, can you help me with this? Mm -hmm. But most people don't know what you're struggling with unless you right. can say it out loud. And I think that's always the hardest part. And not everyone can do that too. We've dealt with that like uh, with uh, with our son. He's He's 15. He's diagnosed with autism um, at the age of three. He's verbal, but there's certain things that he's not going to be able to express in detail with regard to, um, you know, a stressful moment or something. He can tell us, you know, can he'll ask for a squeeze. He knows that there's a meltdown that, you know, that's coming and that's a big, big deal, but some things he can't do or yeah. express. So with, with that said, let me ask you this, if you don't mind, what would you say then in your day to day, professional and otherwise are probably your biggest challenges with your diagnosis. And then what are some of the things that are your just no brainer, easy, just gifts and benefits as a result of your diagnosis? So I would say in terms of what I struggle with, I mm -hmm. think sometimes it's motivation to do the things that I have no interest in doing. I'm terrible at math. Anything that comes with math, I just, just makes me want to cry. I, I do it. I eventually sit down and do it, but the motivation <laughs> to sit down and do it is always really hard. And yeah. I think that's really common for a lot of people with ADHD is the motivation factor. If you're not excited about it, it's really hard to sit down and do. And one of the things that I learned as a kid, which I actually talked to a lot of my clients about is I am a big fan of games and I, mm -hmm would have to sit down and do homework and it would take mm -hmm. me forever. 
and I would play Tetris. I would play Tetris for like 20 mm -hmm. minutes before I would actually sit down and do my homework. And I found you have when to gamify I gamify things. Yeah. But yeah. I, but the thing was, I was doing Tetris so that I felt like I could be successful at something, feel like I've accomplished something and get my mind in that, in that space where I could focus on something else. And mm -hmm. when I played Tetris, I got my homework done way quicker Ooh. than when I did. And so it, it was different techniques that I was figuring out for myself that was, um, help me get through those. In terms of what I succeed at, I didn't realize that my ability to communicate and talk to people about what I'm doing was such a skill. And I've been doing a lot of podcasts. I've been really putting myself out there in a lot of those ways because that was my strength. And you don't necessarily know those pieces unless someone else is telling you. The other piece I was putting together, talk about being adaptable, I put together two or three different workshops about people going back into the office and the day I launched it was the day the CDC was talking about the Delta variant and most offices were not reopening. Right. And I rewrote an entire workshop in like 10 minutes so that I could relaunch a different one that was gonna be much more inclusive to where people are at this phase. And so I'm doing that this workshop on August 31st to help assess you know, what your work style is, no matter whether you're working from home or working in the office and figuring that out. So those were different pieces that I, you know, those were my strengths. I didn't know them until somebody said it to you. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I would say a lot of, uh, <laughs> a lot of teenagers these days would say, yeah, see mom, I got to play video games before I do my homework. And <laughs> you know, here's the thing. It, if you set a timer and you, and you pick the game, that's really something that's structural to how they think, I think there's there's something to it. And I often ask my clients what their favorite game is and what their least favorite game is because I think it says so much about what their skill sets are. Tetris mm -hmm. for me was about being being able to see the big picture and the little details all at once, figuring out where everything goes and how I could do it quicker and quicker as they as the levels went on. I hate Pac-Man. I know that's very controversial, but it is the worst game in my mind <laughs> yeah, I because I was, no, I, I know this is, as I said, very controversial, but it was basically, <laughs> if you thought about what I lacked and what I struggle with, it was the um, unpredictable pieces of where the ghosts were coming from and could I catch up and what should I do next? And having to make those very quick decisions made me really uncomfortable. I like to have the structure. I like to know what I should do next and be able to have time to figure it out. So mm -hmm. that's why I ask people, because if, if that could give me any kind of insight as to where they're struggling with, how can we make that less of a struggle? There's so much value in asking someone that too, because you go back to, you know, the comment you made about just doing what you do, not even realizing that it's a gift mm -hmm. or a skill or a talent. And that's where there's so much value in just critical thinking, thinking about what we think about when we just operate on autopilot. We don't even know what we do. That's why I've never really thought of this before. And it was never a conscious thought, but oftentimes anyone that knows me, you know, if, if they see me give a compliment to someone, I will usually tell them, especially in a service oriented environment, I had a great experience with my son's um, the teacher and the special ed staff yesterday. And I ended up telling them, I was like, you know, you guys, you probably don't think that much of this because you're just, 
doing what you're job, doing your job and doing what you do and being who you are. But I want you to understand how much value there is mm -hmm. in doing this the way you do it. And I would deeply appreciate it. I'm sure that most people don't tell you that. And so there's something to be said for us, um, you know, just doing that. It makes for a better occupancy on the planet if we stop and think about what we think about, you know, in terms of like how we think. And um, for you to be able to ask, a, you know, ask someone that, I'm sure it's very enlightening for them when they stop and they go, hmm, what do I like? Yeah. I, you know, I think that's what's really been, if you're going to take a horrendous situation like COVID and working from home and mm -hmm. all of the different dynamics that that kind of threw into the puzzle mm -hmm. has been such a learning experience all the way around. I mean, yeah. when I when I think of how I was working before, the job that I had before COVID and that I was laid off from was the most stressful job I've ever had. And I was sought out for this job. I was offered this job six times. I turned it down five times because I didn't think that I was the right person for the job. But they were really seeking me out because of my dyslexia mm -hmm. and ADHD. That this was mm -hmm. something that I was able to see the big picture and the little details all at once. I could simplify things so easily. But for me, it was so exhausting. And I never really came up for air until COVID happened. And I had a moment to stop and say, okay, what did you do? What did you accomplish? How did you feel? What were all of those different pieces? And I think that was so necessary. And I wish that I had had those moments after all of the different jobs and skills that I had, because you kind of just put your head down and just try and focus really, really hard on the task in front of you. And it's, it's usually you're climbing uphill most of those times. You're not necessarily doing something that's natural and easy for you. I always talk about the fact that uh, when my friends and family ask me how you know my business is going, I said, have you ever had a job that was challenging but not hard. And mm. they look at me and they're like, what do you mean? I said, every job I've ever had, I was overcompensating for. And I was really good at my job, but I was really burnt out because all of the different pieces took me 10 times longer than it does the average person. And right now what I'm doing is helping people figure themselves out and I've never had an easier job in my life. Mm. That's interesting. You know, you bring up a, an, an interesting point. The, one of the one of the, the things that COVID has has brought to the surface is if if it, if people are paying attention, this is of course um, the, we talk about empathy all the time. Mm -hmm. But a person who who normally had a job in an office setting who now has to transition to a Zoom online, no interaction yeah. with other people that they now are encountering a different way to process information, mm -hmm. a different way that they, that they find pro, you know, themselves productive, a different way to interact with, with other people. Mm -hmm. And if there's never been an, a better time than this, I can't think of it, but, but if there's ever been a better time, I can't think of it, but, but, but COVID created opportunity for people to be empathetic that, that it's true. People process their world differently in, in a, an individual basis. And this presents new challenges for managers, for employees, for so many folks, for students, for teachers, you name it, this new, this new world that we're in has created new 
new, challenge, new challenges. I call it the great reset. People are rethinking whether or not they want to go back to an office and go to work. To your point, if you yeah. can find something that you're, you know, that, that lights you up and that you find to be not challenging and, and exciting. No, and challenging, I, not hard. Very different. Challenging, but not hard. Challenging, but not hard. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Correct. But not difficult. Right, right, right. There's opportunity to create to create a whole new a whole new way of, of working, a whole new way of, of dealing with the world. And, so, I mean, and that's, that's I really I love that because so many of the people that I've spoken to during the pandemic are people who didn't really talk to their supervisors about their needs. They kind of just wanted to fly under the radar and just take on, you know, let's just say put all of the things in their backpack and walk uphill and tell nobody how much pain they were in or how hard it was because yeah. they they didn't want to be seen as stupid or incapable or all of the things that would potentially get them fired for their job. They just took it on. And now everyone's taking that moment to reset. Whether you were doing it because you had a learning disability or ADHD, or you were doing it because you had kids at home, or you were doing it because you were taking care of a, like a sick relative, or you were doing it because you had COVID yourself. You know, there's mm -hmm. so many scenarios that now open the door to open dialogue, and that's huge. And, well, and that's what I've been trying to talk to people about is mm -hmm. everyone's advocating for themselves. Now figure out what it is that you need to advocate for that helps you feel successful and feels your best so that you can do the job at hand. You know, in the, you bring about, it's funny, I, I, I'm not a scientist, so I don't know this from a scientific standpoint, but I think that there's, if it's not, if it's not chemistry, there's certain energy from people that stimulate your wheels and get mm -hmm. them to turning and, and yours have mine burning energy and smoke I on the it. spot. And one of the things that you said, you made me just think of something that I knew and have known that all of us known, all of us have known, but have never communicated in the way that I'm about to. And, and you're the credit for this, which is that people talk about most people have a job and they don't like their job and they go to collect the check. But what you articulated got me to thinking that most people go to a job to hide. In other words, you know, mm -hmm. to hide and get a, and get a check. You know, most people, every now and then there's someone at a job that's like, let me be seen, let me, let me raise my hand, let me step up, let me help, let me do this, let me do that. That's not most people. So when you talk about people at a job, they don't let it be known, you know, what their needs are, how they can be accommodated. They really go there and I just, you know, too high not to be found. Mm -hmm. And if they're not there to be found by others, then they definitely can't find themselves. And so for you to articulate also, yes. again, that what you do is help people find themselves. That's tremendous. That's an industry within itself. People can be found can find themselves spiritually. People can find themselves emotionally. People can find themselves, you know, financially. Because so often we think that what we earn is tied to who we are, when it is not true at all. So, yeah. I'm just, I can't think of enough ways to give you props for just shining that light right there. That, and you know what? That's kind of what our purpose should be here. When I say here, I don't mean just to dads. I don't mean I, I'm talking about the planet on Earth. Yeah. Help people discover themselves and start by discovering who the heck you are, because most of us don't know. And, yeah. and, and working in a job where you are afraid to reveal your afraid of being fired for revealing yourself or for revealing your needs to be successful, like boss, for yeah. me to be successful, this is what I need. Yet folks are afraid because the yeah. possibility of being fired. That is problem with American business these days, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. The fact that they, there's, there's a fear among, which by the way, I think is why we're having a backlash, which is why 
yeah. these companies are struggling to find employees because employees are going, eh, I'm not sure I really want to go back where I'm not valued, where my needs are not take, where taken into consideration, where all of the other things that people are struggling with. I'm not sure. If, again, it's a reset. People are rethinking the way they they get it, back into the world. It's definitely a reset. But that's also one of the things that I, in thinking back to graduating from college and starting in the workplace, I didn't know that interviews went both ways. I didn't know mm. I could ask questions. I didn't know some of the questions that I should have been asking were about what success looks like for me in terms mm -hmm. of what's the office space look like, what's the dynamic if I needed to work from home or if I needed to change this or change that or could I have more leeway. All, all of the things that would have helped me find the right place for me, I didn't have. And the last place that I worked, I had open conversations with every boss that I had and I had really amazing um, supervisors for years, but it, it took years to get to that point to be able to say, okay, this is, what I know of myself in the workplace are my needs and now I'm asking for them and I'm getting the support back. And it did change a lot of what was hard in my job. I'm not, it wasn't perfect. As I mentioned, it was, it was, I was putting myself in roles that were really not the right fit for me in thinking back to it, even though I succeeded in it. I mentally, I didn't. Um, but at least I knew a lot about myself to say, Hey, can we do it this way? Can you give me written directions? I want to make sure that I'm doing exactly what you're asking. Can someone proofread before I send this out to a client? You know, all mm -hmm. of the different things that I didn't know beforehand. Well, here's the other light that you just you just shown, which is like, you know, people forget the interview process. It's much mm -hmm. like I was having a conversation with yeah. someone um, the other day about uh, yesterday about the IEP. And when you mm -hmm. have your first IEP, you uh, you know you don't realize that you're sitting in a room with these people, and essentially they're working for you. You know they're there to nobody they're part of that. your tomb, but nobody yeah. no nobody thinks of that. What you think no. is, oh my gosh, I'm at this table. These people have these degrees and this that and this, and I need to sign this thing. And they're one they're working there for you. You're in control, not to take advantage of anybody, but you're in a room full of options, not obstacles. And you need to remind those people. But then outside of that, when it comes to an interview for a job, you're not going there to be interviewed. It is an interview, an exchange of energy. But the people, the person that is the prospective applicant usually figures, okay, they're going to interview me. Well, no, you're checking them out too because, you know, you're trying yeah. to enter into as close to a partnership as you possibly can. It's tremendous. I'm also thinking as you were talking about the IEP meetings was I was in, I don't know if this is custom across the country in terms of IEP meetings, but I was in every IEP meeting from fourth grade on. My son and, has been in, in his with me yeah, or, or, or yeah. with, with both of us, yeah. And I watched my parents advocate for myself and I would say starting for my eighth grade meeting on, my parents were no longer doing the talking. It was me because I was watching all of the different things that they were talking about and I knew what questions to ask for myself. And I think that that is, one of the greatest skills that we could ever do for kids or for you know adults what a gift. What is, a gift. To, is to learn and observe but learn what your needs are and to say it and to mm -hmm. be okay saying them i mean there is I, i'll give you this one story this was kind of embarrassing but i'm going to tell it anyway uh, <laughs> it was i had this eighth grade uh science teacher who was so 
frustrating. I didn't understand any of what we were going over. I'd asked her a million questions. I was asking if I could stay for extra help. I was working with my resource room teacher. And she said, I'll be there after school, whatever. It, every time I stayed after, she never showed up. I mean, we, we got to the test and I failed. And she gave me the test and she said, I'm really disappointed in you. And I gave it right back and I said, actually, I'm disappointed in you. I said, I have been here every time you asked me to be here. I've asked you questions. I've gone over my resource and teacher, all of the different pieces. I've asked my resource and teacher to talk to you. I didn't fail. You failed me. And I, I then I told her that I was really glad she was retiring because no one else had to deal with her. And oh, my gosh. Yeah. Not my best moment, but she <laughs> saw my mom in the supermarket and said she'd never been talked to by anybody like this before. And my mom's like, I've never been more proud of my life. You know, <laughs> the fact that I was able to look, it wasn't my best moment. There's some training goals that I've obviously don't do anymore. But the idea that I was able to feel confident enough in in my strengths and knew that I was doing what I needed to do. She changed my grade because we went over every piece after that and I didn't fail at the end of the year. So now the end, the end of that story is why I want to ask the question I was going to ask anyway, which is yeah. what is embarrassing about that? Unless you're the teacher, because you know, that's not your worst moment far from it because what you did is because it's bad enough if she didn't show up, but then be like, I'm disappointed in you. You know, you know, the embarrassing no. part was the fact that I told her that, uh, I was really glad she was retiring and that no one was going to uh, have to deal with her. Yeah. It, but it's an honest, terms, it's an honest it's, statement. It's it, an honest statement. It's not it's, the highest road, but it's not the highest road. That's more but okay. of the embarrassment. But the fact that I was able to do that and feel confident in it, I think is what has given me the confidence in myself <laughs> to be able to advocate for myself and use better language when I'm doing it. So but funny. you know, you have to understand that the person on the other side also needs to feel respected. And I was disrespecting her. She heard my message, but it probably wasn't the clearest way to do it. And that's what I was saying is in terms of embarrassment, but look, 14 years old, I'm figuring this out, 13 years old, yeah. I'm figuring this out. And now I'm helping other people find that voice within themselves. And I, I really want parents to help their kids figure out their needs for themselves because in the end you know past 18 they're gonna have to do it themselves mm -hmm. yeah Absolutely. it was not a tom cruise jack nicholson you know explosion but no. you know it's no. confrontational but i love it like you know i'm disappointed in you no i'm disappointed in you yeah. and you know at some point i you know i've had this conversation you know at some points if if all of the students continue to fail the question is is it on the students or is that point is it on the teacher right and there's a the responsibility yeah. that's shared, you know, to some degree. But anyways, that's a great story. I, I, I do love that. I was going to um, just going to ask you uh, in in the the folks that you're encountering and, and again, that you that you coach on the on this on the professional level, mm -hmm. the spillover into the personal into personal life. How does that do you end up spending any time sort of coaching? you know, they're on their, on the personal side, like, how do you, cause I know that, and again, I can speak for my, for my daughter, Jordan, there are times that they, you know, they're just sort of navigating daily activities and, you know, balancing a checkbook and, you know, handling the duties that, you know, can be difficult when you have learning. Adulting. Don't it's just adulting. adulting. Yeah. yeah. So is that, does that fall under your purview as well? Stuff that you do? 
a hundred percent because it's not like you can flip a switch and say, okay, no, right. I'm, I'm leaving, I'm leaving work Alex at work. And now I'm, you know, a different person. It's absolutely a spillover because all of the different aspects of your life have spillover of, of, as you mentioned, balancing a checkbook, paying bills, um, getting to all of the different, you know, meetings that you have that are outside of your work perspective. It's funny for me, I actually, I found before I was working for myself, I struggled more with work than I did my personal life. In my personal life, I was so unbelievably organized. Every time my family and friends would get a call from me, I'm like, okay, I'm like planning for this event or this holiday or whatever else. They would laugh at me. I'm like, of course. I, you know, <laughs> I, I just, I, I could have a spreadsheet. It's even like my husband was planning his, his best friend's bachelor party and he had a spreadsheet of exactly what he was doing and where he was going, flight information. I was like, I've taught you so well. You know, <laughs> those different things were, were skills that I had outside of it. But the reason I was struggling in my workplace was because I couldn't, I couldn't organize and think in a way that made sense to me. And now, you know, it was not transferring into a different light. So I, yes, it, it really does work in the sense of who you are outside of work. I do talk about a lot of those different skills. I mean, sleep plays a huge role into this. Um, relationships play a huge role in this and how you communicate your needs in any way, shape or form. I mean, this is unfortunately one of those diagnoses that you don't outgrow, you don't, you know, doesn't go away and how you manage it to feel your best is important regardless of what scenario you're in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's brilliant. I put your, um, we put your, your website up here and it's in the chat as well. So capableconsulting.com, which I love. We're getting close to our sort of our 10 minute mark. Um, so this has been fascinating. I love this. I think I, I have gone through your website a bit and I think that you, um, have some amazing because you've got some amazing blog posts and um, we talked about this before we went live that people can read your blog post or they can click a button and actually hear you read yes the blog post so that they can take it in auditorily which is which is so amazing um and and, and i think that it'd be worth it for people to go through your your your, your site a bit and find more about you we're going to spend some time with you also we want to talk to you off after we after we end sure. today and do about uh, participating in our in our summit that we have coming up in September, oh, yeah. um, because the value that you bring to folks, um, I think there are a lot of people who who just think like I just I just have a hard time getting through my day and I just don't know what it is. And that yeah. once they realize, oh wait a minute, this is part of my long term journey here, and I just need some way to put it in structure in place and figure out how to how to be successful. So. Mm -hmm. I think it's tremendously, tremendously valued. I'm so grateful um, yeah. for having you here on this with us on our 52nd episode. So, so our, yeah. Alex, so, so, to, so that our viewers uh, know and they can, we can bridge the gap, who is your ideal client? I would say an adult who has a learning disability or ADHD kind of works in the nine to five type of job. It's usually mm -hmm. the person I see the most. Um, I've also noticed that a lot of people that I work with are entrepreneurs or in creative fields. Mm -hmm. um, 
So I would say somewhere in your 20s, 30s, 40s, working nine to five is, is typically what I'd see. And I would say that's my my strongest um, asset in that, okay. in that age. Gotcha. My daughter, okay. My daughter, Jordan. <laughs> for <Okay. sure. laughs> With that said, I'm going to ask you, this is a question that we typically will ask our guests, um, you know, the ability to make this world um, a better place than we found it is based in large part on our ability to evolve, change and grow. And so what I will usually ask a guest is give us an example of a thought or more important, a belief that you held dear practically maybe even governed your life um, that you no longer feel true. Do you now think otherwise about? I, you know, we've discussed a lot of this um, throughout this podcast. And I think that this is a really important message for anybody who has a learning disability or ADHD. If -hmm. you had asked me, and this is my personal journey, but I think that this, again, it echoes more broadly. If you had asked me, a year ago, were in all of those different positions that I was in. What was, um, what were my needs? I would tell you, I needed structure. I needed to know exactly what time I was starting my day, what time this meeting was, how I was going to end my day, and all of these different aspects. I thought that was the only way I knew how to work. And when I stopped and gave myself an opportunity to figure out my needs and figure out myself, really get to know myself, I realized. I am terrible at structure when it comes to my work day. I don't have a single day that looks exactly the same and I've never been more productive. And I think that that belief that I needed something because somebody else told me that was what success looked like was really my downfall. And I, I really encourage any of my clients to get to know themselves what's what's your high point in the day what's your low point in the day where do you need the structure where do you where do you not need the structure? Where can you fit you into this puzzle of your day so that you feel your best? I've never felt better. I've never felt more productive. I've never felt more successful than I do now because I've allowed myself to sit down and do the work when I want to and need to. And that's huge. That's tremendous. That I think the theme for today, which we hadn't intended it to be, is about getting to know ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. That's actually what my package is called for my first clients is getting to know you. Interesting. Mm. Interesting. I love that. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, and as we wrap um, this episode, um, uh, Alex, I really want to thank you for, for taking the time and, and, and sharing with us your journey and what, and what you've done and, and where you're going and uh and uh you to me it seems like you've got a very clear vision and something that's that's going to be expansive as you take on all the other things that adults with learning disabilities the challenges that they deal with on a daily basis and and by the way as sean and i talk about this all the time there's a lot of things that we talk about here on this podcast that well specific to folks who are dealing with some some disability whether it's cognitive or physical disability it really has an impact on the whole world Mm-hmm. Um, again, it's the ramp analogy that you yeah. so brilliantly used. It's you, know, you put the ramp up for one person and everybody can utilize it and benefit from it. So mm-hmm. what you're yeah. talking about and getting to know yourself, I think benefits benefits everybody. So thank you. So, so thank you. And I thank everybody for participating in the comments that we got uh, today. And for, um, by the way, most of the comments were like so many gold nuggets, you know, <laughs> knowing is in the doing. And so this is all this is more of a cheerful 
as opposed to I like, hey, it. what about this? Right? These are all great, great comments. Everybody um, needs a cheerleader. Exactly. Totally agree. So thank you everybody for, for catching us on Facebook Live. And if you're watching us on a YouTube channel, please subscribe, share with your friends. Uh, if there's something that is a, is a, strikes a nerve and you think that you want to send it on, please send it on. Send it on to people. Let them hear the conversation. We usually just give the space for our guests to um, to share with what, what they're doing. Um, and and it, it's, again, it's so impactful. So as I always say now more than ever, you know, empathy and love is such an important thing for us all to share. If you can look at somebody with, you know, through the through the lenses of, of, of having empathy and expressing love, uh, the world will look like a, a much, much better place. So thank you, um, everybody, for listening in. And um, Sean, do you want to say close us out here today? I will do that. Alex, I want to thank you again for your time. Um, you just added so much tremendous value here today. Um, I've put, uh, we put our email address in the, um, in the chat as well. If anybody wants to reach out to us, especially if you have maybe an idea or, or of a topic that's dear to you or something that you think people would be able to relate to, we're, we're here as hosts, but it's not our show. It's yours, yours, yours as the viewer and those that are the guests. And we're here to shine a light uh, on others. And I think that what we've done here today is another example of what we talk about, which is that there really is no such thing as special needs, just human needs. People that have a disability, uh, a diagnosis, uh, or a result of a catastrophic injury, simply need accommodations and need more of the same thing that everybody needs. What is it that everybody needs? To know that they matter, to know that they're seen, to know that they're heard, and to know that they're loved. And um, Alex, I think you're one of the best examples uh, of that here today. And uh, I wanna thank um, the women in my life, uh, without whom I could not begin to be who I attempt to try to hope to be and become. And that would be uh, my mom, Jan, and my amazing wife, Laura. And for everyone else, thank you for tuning in. Uh, it's been a great year. And this is the first step in, this, in, in year two. Thank you so much. Whether you're watching or listening, we love you. Thank you, everybody. Thank you Catch for you having again me. Soon. Thank you, Alex. Thank amazing. you.